podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever time it is there. And welcome to, I'm absolutely delighted to say, Media Matters. It seems like an eternity since we've done one of these for AI, but like the proverbial phoenix from the flames, we have risen, we are back, ladies and gents. So I'm your host, Dave Davis, coming to you from a windy and cold Edinburgh. I'm not going to lie to you at all with that. And it is my pleasure, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by the renowned, the respected and the revered Sunday Times football correspondent, Jonathan Orcroft. Jonathan, how are you? I'm great, Dave. Yeah, I'm very good. And um, how is Edinburgh? That's where I went to uni and uh, you're bringing back uh, nice memories. It always, it always has been, it always will be an incredible city to sort of step out, visit, just nightlife, all those types of things, but it's yeah. freezing. It's absolutely bolted in the wind. <laughs> well, it's when, it when you said windy, that's what brought the memories back. I I, uh, I used to play football in this. We, uh, uh, yeah, we, we, I, I played at the Union. We had some very exposed pitches, shall we say, where the wind always, um, always was a factor. But yeah. you, it might not surprise you to learn, I wasn't exactly Tiago. I wasn't the most technical sort of a midfield player back in the day. So maybe the wind, maybe the wind is all right for me. Listen, Jonathan, if you can, if you can play <laughs> midfield right now, we'll take you, put it that way. So, uh, we are, so. I'm, I'm, I'm too fast for the midfield, even at 51. God, that, that might Sorry. be a true statement, but yeah, well, <laughs> we, we have got a million things we want to ask you, a million things we want to talk through. So we'll be looking at on the field, Unfortunately, Jurgen Klopp, what's going on there? We've got to talk about everything off the field because stories just seem to be breaking that relate to us all the time. And we'll do the inevitable chat, ladies and gents, about summer business and get any insight from Jonathan we can there. So it's my unfortunate pleasure, Jonathan, to talk about on the field. I'll ask you about that first of all. So yeah. as, the, as the journalist looking in, probably a, a simple question but maybe a tough one to answer how do you I suppose sum up or surmise the season and what you're seeing so far at the moment yeah I, I'd say it, it's a season of, of so far of, of kind of unforeseen and perhaps almost unforeseeable misery for, for Liverpool looking in from the outside um, yeah I, I say unforeseeable because in fairness to all those fans who were shouting in the summer about the need for a midfielder, they might have seen what was going to happen. I, 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 I didn't, to be honest. I was in Paris at the final. Um, and when you 
are working for Sunday paper and you're reporting on a, a huge Saturday match like that where you know the, the, there's going to be a big outcome. It's either winning a final or not, or if it's a yeah. World Cup, an England team going through or not. You have to write something called a win scenario piece and a lose scenario piece. And that would be a little feature that you slot into the paper depending on the result. So I remember writing my win scenario piece, a feature that would have gone in if Liverpool had won the uh, Champions League. And that was a piece celebrating, wow, what an achievement by this club. You know, they've come extremely close to quadruple. Here they are winning uh, one of the big two trophies yet again um, with a team that a year ago was struggling. Klopp's reinvented it. Uh, what an incredible season. Deserves to be manager of the year. Blah, blah, blah. Fantastic. Yeah. And that was a clo- you know, a strange night because of what happened um, yeah. with the stadium and the fans and, and, a, and a night where Thibaut Courtois was fantastic and denied Liverpool the victory. So from that point to where we are now is almost um almost unfathomable i would say um it's it, it, things have declined in so many fronts you know transfer activity performance um resilience of players um liverpool's sort of standing as it were in the pecking order of the premier league so yeah. many sort of factors energy of certain people i mean i'm sure we'll get into all of them but that would be my summary just I think about Paris and I think about the drop that Liverpool have had in so many ways since then and it still feels pretty strange. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters all provided with fast worldwide shipping we have something for every red we also stock official lfc merchandise and are licensed with the premier league and uefa to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches as a listener to this podcast you can get 10 percent off everything with coupon code aipro10 just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on etsy by searching for anfield index yeah, it's it's crazy to think that's within sort of the the last six months to where we are now. But yeah. and I'd, I'd lo- yeah, I'd love to be able to disagree with any of that, but I think it's absolutely bang <laughs> on the money there as well. And yeah. there's always that talk, and I keep seeing this at the moment. People saying it can't get any worse. I'm probably teeing this up in all the wrong way, but it's the the derby's on the horizon next Monday, isn't it? It's not far away. I yeah. Mean, it's a massive game for so many reasons. Almost the story writes itself with what's going on with both clubs at the moment. I suppose it's again maybe a simple question, not that easy to answer. How do you think we'll be almost preparing for the derby? Because there's so many things it seems riding on it. How do you think Jurgen Klopp and the squad will be go about preparing for it at this time? Well, the only thing I'd say is that. In these situations, you quite often hear players or ex-players say that the best thing, the best thing you could face in a crisis is an enormous game. You know, like a kind of must-win game that means so much to the fans historically because it kind of focuses the mind and it makes you put everything out there. 
And these games almost seem to work separate to form anyway. Now, if I, you know, in Liverpool's situation, that's what they've got to focus on. Throw everything else out the window, everything that's come before this season. Look at this as Liverpool v Everton <clears throat> at Anfield. Everton have got a new manager. They're going to turn up and they're going to be more up for this than they've been for any game all season. And Liverpool yeah. have to match that and they have to send supporters home with a feeling of pride and they have to stand up for the club. And that is how they've got to look at this game. Everything else goes out of the window. And if you think back to the third game of the season, I think it was, um, Manchester United, and I'm sorry to bring this up, fourth game of the season, Manchester United were in a very similar situation. You know, they, they were in a horrific position having been hammered by Brentford. Yeah. And there were doubts about everything, recruitment, the manager, blah, blah, blah. And Liverpool came to Old Trafford and from nowhere, United pulled the performance out and it, that kick-started their season. But that, that, was a, that, that was probably the best fixture they could have possibly played. And this is how Liverpool have got to look at the derby on, on Monday. Yeah, uh, I'd agree. There's, someone said and tweeted it, it's not really my line, but I thought it was a great one. The, the minimum expectation is maximum effort. Mm. No excuse with the Monday, well, given that I, performance of pride. M- May I just stop you there, Dave? That's one of Sean Dyche's favourite catchphrases. So, um, oh God, you love me hammered for that one, then. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. So, right, okay, but we'll uh, yeah, we'll put that one for the edit, possibly. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> F- fingers crossed, though. Yeah, it's, it's a certain. There does seem so much riding on it, and mm. and it seems it seems strange that we are in because of the World Cup. <clears> we're in March, but we're only just almost halfway through the yeah. season, and. There's almost like a victory is being written about the season so far for Liverpool. But where do you honestly look at it now, Jonathan? Thinking about uh, it's a bit you know, Mystic Meg maybe predicting the future. Yeah. What do you think is honestly the best we can hope for? Because there's all the talk at the moment about would you trade the derby for the Champions League, mm-hmm. vice versa? You know, what's the expectation? How do you honestly see it around? You know, what's the best we can hope for at this stage? Well, I, I don't think Liverpool can qualify for the Champions League through the Premier League. Um, it, it, there are 18 games left, but there's just too much traffic ahead of them. Too yeah. many teams that are in reasonable shape. No, you know, apart from Arsenal, nobody's been in incredible shape. But I just think there's too many. There'd be too many. Too many teams would have to, you know, have have a really bad sort of second half of the season for Liverpool, and Liverpool would have to be almost perfect. So I think that's out of the window. Um, but of course, Liverpool are in the Champions League and that's got to be the, the yeah. focus, I would say, for the club would be to to throw everything into to, to winning that trophy again or coming as close as possible and giving the, the fans a ride. <clears throat> and, and, and just, I guess, using the, the remainder um, of this season to, to get into some kind of shape for next season. Um, so, yeah. you know, we're seeing the likes of Bacetic playing a lot of football. I think that's really good for the club. I think he's a fantastic um, emerging number six. So, you know, yeah. likes of him, likes of Elliot. It doesn't mean you sort of throw the kids in an experiment, but I think Klopp's got to be looking at who's going to be in my team next season. The, the, the forwards that he signed, working on them, getting Gakpo and Nunez and so on to gel, those are the things, finding solutions and, of course, off the pitch, 
getting in position to to, to sort things um, in, in in the summer transfer window. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but there's a well. I think we all know there's about eight million things to do on Jurgen Klopp's <laughs> to do list, so to speak. So yeah, yeah, a lot to sort, a lot to arrange, and a lot to fix. And it seems like this, and we we've got to talk about the the main man himself, Jurgen Klopp, because mm. he's been such a a very my word, but varying season for. And we think of how it's been at the start, the, you know, the, the difficult start for us, maybe the hangover, as you mentioned, from Paris that way. Then almost when we come back from the World Cup break, if we're raising it that way, you almost seem quite, as a lot of fans will say, bullish, quite enthusiastic about the restart. You know, we're going to go yep. again. You know, it's positive. We're going to attack it type of thing. And obviously the form since almost the, the Boxing Day game and, you know, every, I think everyone's seen the the tables, the grass now for 2023, that, you know, the worst team in form in the Premier League, simple as that. And yeah. that naturally forces a lot of the focus on the manager, which, you know, is, mm. is understandable. I suppose looking at him right now with everything that that's going on and thinking about the, the recent things like the James Pearce fallout, if that's the right phrase, the, mm. the honest mm. statement that he had no real answers after the, the latest Wolves defeat. I suppose if we're talking about Jurgen Klopp, the main man himself, and everything that's gone on this season around the positives, well, what wanted to be a positive start, but then the struggles, the bullishness almost when he came back from the World Cup and now to where we are today and almost the recent things around the the James Pearce comments, that incident, the being honest that you had no answers after Wolves at all. I suppose... What do you make almost of his current actions, his current words, and where he finds himself almost right now? Yeah, look, I, 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 I'll get to the, the, the incident with James shortly, and I did tweet about it at the weekend. Um, but first of all, Klopp himself that just looks like a man who's exasperated, um, who's, who's hurting, um, yeah. and who genuinely is struggling for answers at the moment. And the thing that strikes me about what's happened to Liverpool since the since the World Cup is that I think the reverse of what Klopp would have expected and hoped might yeah. happen has happened. So if you think back to uh, uh, for Pep Linders' book, um, Intensity, he, yeah. he writes, he, he comes up with this phrase, that training is our transfer. Okay, so this is what this is one of the articles of faith that the Liverpool coaching staff have. You know, training is our transfer. We we can improve the team by our special way of doing things, by infusing them with energy and 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 the right tactics on the training pitch. And you know, that's what enables us to do better than teams that are spending money, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. Liverpool had a horrible first couple of months of the season. They had the World Cup break probably came at, at, at a welcome time in some ways for, from Klopp's point of view. And I think he'd have gone away and thought, right, we're going to have a reset. There's a good camp in, in Dubai. Um, we'll come back and, and, and the, the, the next phase of the season will be completely different. And they did start with a couple of wins over over Christmas, which, which yeah. um, you know, thank, thank goodness for them from the point of view, because they're about <laughs> 15th by now. But anyway, so they got a couple of wins, and at that point, you expected momentum to build. 
Then came the Brentford defeat, which was a, a real hammer blow because it was a, it wasn't just the scoreline. It was a, it was an embarrassing, it was a bad night. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, okay, you have, you have the FA Cup and, and, and Liverpool sort of got away with it against Wolves. I was at that game and, and sort of got away with it. From that, then you had another week's break. And I think Klopp would have thought, right, okay, more training ground work. That'll help sort the team. They come back from that, get beat by Brighton, you know, and there's a Chelsea game and then there's another week's break, come back, get beat by Brighton. Another week's break, come back, get beaten by Wolves. And this, this is why he's so exasperated, I think, that, that if, if, if these defeats were coming in a run of games when you're playing every two or three days, yeah, I think it would be a logic to them. It'd be like, okay, we're in a bad run. We need a break and then we, we're going to, you know, get back to basics on the training pitch and we'll sort things. But he's having those opportunities to train the team and things are getting worse. And that's, I think, what's so painful at the moment. And then moving on to James, his reaction to James's question, that, that was actually essentially what James was asking about. Yeah. You know, how can you explain why you, with all the training ground time, things aren't getting any better? And I think it touched a nerve. Now, I, you know, James is a friend of mine. I'll declare that straight away. I've known him for a long time. We used to play cricket together. So I, I, I suppose I'm, I'm always going to you know, try and stick up for him. Um, but I, I felt it was silly a clock to, to pick on someone that's, that's an incredibly well-sourced, respected and fair journalist who's covered yeah. Liverpool for, for many years with nothing other than, uh, you know, James is a Liverpool supporter and nothing other than a, a, a desire that the club does well. And, and that's, I just felt that if, if you're going to start singling out people like that, then, you know, what about the, what about your real enemies, as it were? I just felt it was a, it was a, um, a reaction by Klopp that made him look under more pressure. Um, now I know there's, there's, there's bits of history to, 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 I think, I think he, he was uh, angered by a certain article that he'd read, I, th- I believe, that wasn't actually one of James's articles, but, but James was a person yeah. that they lashed out at. Um, and I understand, you know, I, I'm on the other side of the fence as a journalist. I understand that we have the power of the pen, that we, we sit here and we, we pontificate and coaches and players roll their eyes and get annoyed sometimes because uh, they feel we don't know what we're talking about. I get that. That's 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 the that's the ecosystem. That's where we're at. But Klopp's an experienced manager. You know, he's yeah. been in the game for 20, 30 years as a coach. He doesn't, he knows how it works. He doesn't need to react like that. And I and I I felt it was a moment that just made him look under pressure and was incredibly unfair on James. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter 
at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah, it's it is a such such an odd one. The the whole circumstance around it. I mean, it, this is me wild speculating, not, not yeah. suggesting this is facts, but there was the sort of suggestions that it may be a case of mistaken identity, potentially. Even there was a link to the mentions of the Melissa Reddy article, <coughs> maybe that type of thing. So so who knows there? But in, I suppose for everyone's sake, for you know, there's a hope it's almost a a quiet chat, shall we say, behind closed doors between the two when it's all resolved and we all move on type of thing, I'm guessing, isn't it? I think so. And look, that probably is what will happen. And um, James is not a sensitive soul. He'll he'll be absolutely fine. It's not like he'll be, you know, sort of... He'll he'll shrug his shoulders and know this is part of the job. It's, It's... yeah. It's happened to him before. It'll happen to him again. Like like with all of us, you, you can't go through a career with everybody loving everything you write or or every question that you ask. That's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm sure this. It, the thing in itself, it's not a big thing. It's, it is just a man getting annoyed at another man in a press conference. Yeah. It's what it looked like. That's that was my th- sort of thing with it. it. It was unfair, and it holds James up to scrutiny on social media that he doesn't deserve and. Um, and it just made Klopp look under pressure. Yeah, I'd agree with all of that. So, yeah, f- fingers crossed that one's almost nipped in the bud, shall we say, for one of a better phrase. And this one, I don't want to ask this one, but it's relevant to ask it based on everything because there's, there's the articles or the, the tweets from various people saying that, you know, Klopp enjoys the full support of FSG, you know, whatever mm. happens this season, almost the credit in the bank, however you wish to phrase it. There is the other side that, you know, it could potentially get worse. We don't want to say it, but, it, you know, it is possible. Do, do you think there is any chance of Jurgen Klopp walking, so to speak, if the derby doesn't go to plan in Madrid? Do you, do you think that's possible? Do you think he is seeing it with that contract renewal? Whatever happens, I'm going to sort this out. How do you think he's seeing it at the moment? Oh. Listen, I, I, I don't think there's any chance of him walking after the derby, whatever happens. Um, Klopp's a, he's a fighter, come on. And he's, he's, he's also someone that, that wants to honour commitments. And um, if you think back to the exit at Dortmund, it was something announced a long time in, in advance yeah. and planned for. And, 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 and when the time does come for him to leave Liverpool, it would be, uh, in, in his mind anyway, it would probably be a similar um, process. I don't think there'll be. I also don't think there'll be any sort of pressure from the ownership because, after all, they're possibly selling at the moment. You know, they're yeah. either selling a chunk or the whole club. So, why would you get rid of Jurgen Klopp, who's who's one of your major assets? Why would you? Why would you do that? You know, it makes the club less sellable. Um, I, I'd, I'd have thought Klopp's presence would be a, a big attraction for anyone uh, wanting to wanting to to buy Liverpool. So. I, I, I no, I, I don't. I don't expect um, you know anything to happen. Um, and, and, and maybe you know, maybe going back to Klopp's kind of demeanor, it, it, it's because he is in the sort of long haul. It's because he is he's in this to fight. You know, yeah. he does care. He does care. He wants to put this right. That's why. That's why the man looks in pain at the moment. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with all of that, and I, I, without doubt, say ninety nine point nine nine percent of Liverpool fans want Jurgen Klopp to say I mean I'll be honest I'll say I'd change anyone at that club as Jamie Carragher said before Jurgen Klopp so he needs to be backed in the summer by the owners and 
it probably pivots us on nicely to a dangerous subject, but one we have to tackle, as in off the field, hmm. FSG, the, the takeover, the partial investment, the, the various rumours, stories, speculation that surrounds it at the moment. I mean, if you're looking at what we've seen recently, and I mean, it seems to have almost kicked <laughs> off the ownership side recently, hasn't it? We had the, the yeah. Alex Miller in the Mail article talking about potential Redbird up in their stake in FSG and mentions of the the famous topic, potential Qatar talks for investment in Liverpool at the same time through the, the QIA. There's now, probably as it broke last night, mention of Qatar investment in United. So simple question probably to start with. Have you any particular news around it or thoughts on the articles? What's going on around that sale, partial sale at the moment at all? Uh, yeah, I, yes, I mean, I, 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 I think things from, from what I understand, um, as with the United situation, they're quite parallel, really. There, there, there has been plenty of interest and plenty going on in, in, in the background. Yeah. Uh, my experience of these things would be that, that investors do tend to be the ones that come from the background rather than the ones that announce interest and so on. Yeah. Uh, and, and we haven't heard... Um, anything publicly from the the, the, the the Qataris who have supposedly been in, interested in both Liverpool and United um, and you know nothing from Redbird and all that sort of stuff so uh, it, it's one of those where I I think that, that what complicates it so much from Liverpool's perspective is, is the fact that United are on the market too um, yeah it's two comparable assets there at the same time with probably slightly different um, reasons for selling. Um, but in some ways, it, it, it pits them head to head against each other for potential right. investors. And I, I, I spoke to a, an American um, expert in this, in this field a, a few weeks ago, and I, I said, you know, do, does... It, it, it is, it's the fact that both clubs are on the market at the same time bad news for each other. And he said, yeah, it is, because they end up in competition. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about the American interest in, in, in buying stakes in the club, in the clubs. Um, the, the bigger picture is how attractive um, English football is to buy into and, and prize assets in particular, like, like Liverpool. So yeah. I, don't think, I don't think there will be an issue in getting new investment. It's... It's, I suppose, and this then starts to come down to the question of what fans want. It, it's, you know, where is, who's the interest? What does it mean? What, what type is it? it? I just feel, and this is now me just going on the gut instinct. I just feel that if one of the two clubs is going to be bought and there's going to be a massive splurge of money, it would be more likely to be united simply because if you buy, if you bought Liverpool from FSG, where's your margin to improve the football club? You know, this yeah. ownership's already won everything and it's built an outstanding stadium. Whereas if you buy United, there's so much to do. Yeah, uh, there's so much you could you could improve. But that that I'm just talking gut instinct. You know, I'm absolutely talking gut instinct. I'm not a, I'm not a billionaire from America or or the Middle East or or whatever. So I don't, I don't know what I'd do if, if I was, but I, I just, I kind of might instinctively feel that United might be the one that sold first and sold big 
and that Liverpool might be more of a process to find the right investment. I do think there's a. I'd agree with that sentiment. That is exactly how I think a lot of fans feel, and I personally see it. That use the right word. I think there's a there's a parallel there, and with the, the which is almost like say it's the, the worst case for FSG in one way, but maybe not that United have come on the market at the same time. I suppose the advantage with United <laughs> coming on the market at the same time is the odds probably dictate, as you mentioned, that it might well be United that sold first that will then create the clearer picture for us specifically. Mm. It mm. also gives FSG a, not that they need one, so to speak, with the apparent brochures, but almost a ballpark, a figure, so to speak, yeah. to work from and, and plan from there. And like you say, it then brings the unsuccessful parties, probably the right phrase from United, potentially to the table, because I think you phrased it perfectly. There's a lot of world interest in Premier League football. So yeah. it may well be when those parties don't succeed for the club down the East Lanks that they, you know, move across and look at options. And that, let's be honest, probably creates the, maybe the bidding wars, the wrong phrase, but the interest, yeah. you know, the opposition, if you want to call it that, that the FSG are, are looking for. I suppose, I know you mentioned gut there, and I'm going to almost ask you on this specifically. With FSG, do you think specifically, I mean, we're assuming something goes ahead in the summer, we're hoping something most fans go ahead in the summer. Do you lean towards full takeover or partial investment? What does your gut tell you on that at the moment? I, if I was F, in FSG's position, um, I'd think full takeover. Um, yeah, because they don't they, they, they don't do things by halves. They don't. They're not. I don't see them as a sort of power sharing group. Um, and I, I, I think all of this has been sparked by FSG's acknowledgement or feeling that to go to the next level or to compete in this next phase will take more than the, they've got in their pockets, quite frankly. Yeah. So we're looking at Newcastle rising under Saudi ownership. Um, we're looking at uh, Chelsea just, you know, just changing the market all over again. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll get to Manchester City, which is uh, which is interesting development, shall we say? Yeah. Um, and, we, and and you know, let's let's say United then get bought by Qatar or whatever. It just becomes even harder from FSG's point of view, who are already, yeah. as we know, not um, not not awash with spare change. Uh, you know, there's a prudency. There always has been a prudency. To how they've 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 run things. Um, they've run it through great business acumen, but not through just you know speculative investments. So yeah, I I, I I think they have reached a natural point where they 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 need uh, some they need they need somebody else to come and try and move to the next level. I I think I I can't if you think of the alternative of them staying in charge and having to go again. I I just with their other business interests in America as well, you know, they're investing in other things. Yeah. Mike Gordon stepping back. It just doesn't feel to me like they're ready to go again. It feels like they're ready to, 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 to pull out. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. It's hard to see someone almost buying that minority stake that's talked about not calling yeah. the shots. And then, as you mentioned there, be, being asked to for the transfer bill. But again, why would you, be putting all the money up if you're only getting 20% or whatever the figure is of the return. Absolutely. So 
yeah, it, it will be interesting to see. And hopefully, fingers crossed, with everything starting to, to come out, shall we say, with United and speculation that things do start moving. I mean, keeping off the field, because there's, there's so much happening at the club at the moment. It's mm. unreal. And there was that recent Melissa Reddy article around, mm-hmm. you know, the changes you mentioned, Mike Gordon, yep. almost completely stepping back, you know, got back to the US almost retiring, you know, running for the mm. business, focused on the sale, however you wish to put it. Julian Ward confirmed as stepping down at the end of the season. And even today, there's the suggestions that he's in the, or one of the front runners for the Ajax position yeah. there. So that's come out. We know about Ian Graham and the behind the, the scenes, the research, the stats analyst, he's stepping down. Mm. It seems, for want of a better phrase, just absolute chaos almost behind the scenes, a complete move away from the previous system. Mm. It might be a question that's almost difficult to answer because the ownership landscape may change completely. But assuming that it is FSG still in some semblance of charge, but, you know, next season, do you think they'll be looking to change? Will they look with everything that's going on, you know, about the, the struggles on the field? Do you think they'll link that to what's happening off the field, behind the scenes, so to speak, and think, we need to get this back in some semblance of shape, or is it just a case of we'll have to wait and see what the ownership <laughs> looks like? Yeah, I, no, I, I'd, I'd say so. If if they are in a position, I mean, what I should have added is that they will also not sell the club for anything under the, the value that they have of it. That's that, yeah. that has to be said too. They're not. They're just not. You know, that's not how they do things. They're, they're very smart investors. Yeah. So if FF, if FSG are in the position where they're they're still in charge. I think they'll absolutely look to to try and um, get a fresh structure, a fresh people yeah. in place um, to take Liverpool forward because that's what the success was built on in the first place. You know, we, we the story is well established now of the the trinity of, of Gordon's Edwards and, and Klopp. Now they might have a different structure, but they, but they'll know that they need the right uh, people in place, and I don't see them departing from the director of football model, albeit that it might be a model where the manager has slightly more influence than he may have had before. Um, yeah. But, I, I, you know, so I think what that tangibly means is they, they, they need a new Julian Ward. Um, they will need a new Ian Graham. Um, and... I mean, I think Billy Hogan does a lot of the, the Mike Gordon duties, but he's got a lot on his plate too. So they might yeah. need to flex that as well and 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 work out uh, who you know how how their lines of communication to the sport director and the manager work too. Um, as, as we've said, there's just so much. Uh, there's so much on the manager's plate, and there's probably so much on the owner's plate at the moment as well. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN Make sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac 
and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I'd agree. I think... If it, like you say, if it, if it stays FSG in charge, there needs to be a, a clear realignment of roles and responsibilities. And naturally, if it's a if it's a different owner, I suppose as I say, all bets are off. We'll have to see how that pans out and what sort of strategies they have in mind. But yeah, there, there's a million things going on off the field for Liverpool to resolve that way. And with off the field activities. You'll know, Jonathan, there's nothing supporters like to talk about all the potential transfers. And as ever with Liverpool and FSG, it always seems to be the talk of the summer business, the fabled war chess, whatever you you want to to call it. And we know the background to, to Liverpool. Let's talk about the need for midfielders. There's probably one midfielder in particular we've got to talk about and ask shortly as well. Yeah. So I suppose with that... Uh, a lot of talk about the summer and almost a one that's been a recent headline, one of your Sunday supplement alumni colleagues in Sam Wallace, the <laughs> breaking of the Matthews <laughs> Nunes deal, wasn't it? The uh, yeah. the gentleman's agreement for around 44 million, if that's true, if we'll see if that happens. I suppose looking from the outside in, when you look at Liverpool right now and you think, right, I'm moving ahead to summer, what business do you see as priority for them? What do you think they've got to get that done transfer-wise? Oh, well, I mean, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? It is midfield. Let's, let's, yeah. let's, face, let's face it. And it's not, just, it's not just one. It might just not even be two. It might be, might be three. You know, I, I think if we're talking about, like we've started this by talking about drop-offs. Okay, one of the unforeseen yeah. drop-offs, in my opinion, is Fabinho. Um, yeah. That is a, a, a serious worry for Liverpool. And, you know, the guy's, the guy's been such a great player for the club that he deserves, I would say, the opportunity to get himself back to, to the, the player he had been for the three or four years before then. Yeah. So a decision needs to be made on him. Um, but that's, that. you know, but Bacetic is is a great uh, one for the future and I do see as somebody that will play more and more over the next season or two but but probably you wouldn't want to if, if Fabinho if Fabinho is no longer going to be a, a top class option I don't think you could go into a new season with just the changes at number six yeah can't really play Milner there anymore um, Henderson's getting older we know this, the decision needs to be made on Naby Keita Thiago's not getting younger I mean I don't really need to go through it for Liverpool fans. But yeah. When you when you start to focus in, you look at the fact that there's been a lot of signings made at the top of the pitch, and there's been a fair few made at the the bottom of the pitch, and and, and nothing in the middle. And it feels like this summer Liverpool will need to to catch up on what they haven't done in the last two or three years. Um, and and that for me would be two or three top-class midfielders. Um, so Nunes is an attacking player, isn't he, really? An attacking midfielder, a nice yeah. footballer. 
nice footballer, but I, I feel like more, much more than just another nice attacking-ish player is going to be needed to move the dial. I think somebody that's a lot more, um, a, 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 a lot more competitive physically, um, and and more of a, a sort of holding option, and probably another, you know, somebody with leadership qualities that's that's maybe bit of a, a number eight, number six, number ten that can, you know, <clears throat> I'm just describing yeah. Jude Bellingham basically. Yeah. But but you, do you know what I mean? I, I think what needs what, what Liverpool need is is presence in that area. Um and you know more than more than one one or two players. And and I would say top class players as well. You know, just signing a couple yeah. of decent ish uh options. Um isn't isn't going to cut it? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think as as you mentioned there, fingers crossed, Fabinho can come back. It, it looks difficult right now, but fingers mm. crossed, we you know we can get that return. And you mentioned a position there that that defines teams, especially that number six role. We yeah, it is even. Not that long ago, people remember back, it was called the Makaleli role, wasn't it? And then yeah. you look at the current climate, like the difference Casemiro's made to United, you know, yeah. the, the skill Rodri brings, you know, the, the physicality Rodri brings to City as well, so yeah. crucial. So usually the top teams are, are often defined by their number six, aren't they? And who plays yeah. that quite often. So yeah. fingers yeah. crossed, fingers crossed that it is someone in that area. But You've mentioned him, so we can't go back now and everyone is going to be listening now with eager ears to hear about Jude Bellingham. So, I mean, there's so many things to this and probably not not a day will go by without someone tweeting something or some exclusive news. It's, a, it's amazing how many people have a foot in Bellingham's camp, apparently, and is, is in a thoughts at the yeah. moment. But I suppose... It's got to be asked because, you know, the reality is we're, we're about mid-table at the moment. It's, as you yeah. said, Champions League's unlikely. So with that in mind, does that make Jude Bellingham a fantasy for you or is it a potential reality? How do you see it right now? No, look, I don't think, and this is the good news for Liverpool, I don't think the current plight would affect Jude Bellingham uh, whether he goes or not because that's wow. a kid that's made very strategic decisions throughout his career, very measured decisions. Um, and, you know, he's, he's got a very, uh, he's got a very old head on his shoulders. He's got a great family around him who, who um, have, have helped him plot his course. And I, I, I think he makes decisions for the long term. And, and you can see that in, 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 in the move to Dortmund and how that's worked out for him. Yeah. So, I don't think he would look at one bad season and I'm not even sure he'd look at being out of the Champions League in the short term and say that's that would stop me going somewhere if he felt this is the club that's going to be his for the next four or five years. So that would be you know, that would be my take on it. But but of course he'd have to be convinced that that you know this was a blip and that that, that he would be at the start of a process to take Liverpool back to the very top. Yeah. Um but the the, the difficulty is the competition, uh, and I don't think anyone really knows what Bellingham's intentions are at the moment. I, I'm, I'm quite sceptical of all the speculation because it, it, he is—he has got a very tight circle around him. Um, yeah. Nobody saw the 
the the Dortmund move or not saying nobody saw it, but but there was similar similar speculation when he went to Dortmund. Is it going to be United? Is it going to be Dortmund? Who's it going to be? Blah blah blah. And I I I think because of that tight circle, the only people who know are, are Jude and his family. And and at, at this precise point in time, um, but he's he's in he's in the same position that Haaland was, isn't he? He's a, he's in a a fantastic position. Yeah. Point of view where he can line up three or four of the world's best clubs and, and audition them almost. And um, and he may not have made that decision. He probably hasn't made that decision at this point in time. Um, he's probably, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of convincing still to do and pitching to him still to go. Um, but as I say, he'll make, he'll make a measured decision um, and uh, almost like the sort of, the sale of Liverpool to new owners, I, I, I think the, the club has to appeal um, on the basis of, 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 you know, not just the history, but this is where we're going to be in the, in the next year, come and, you know, come and be a leading figure in it. Um, yeah. Which is, just goes back to what we've been talking about the whole time, which is this desperate need for Liverpool to, to, to fix fix things and get a new sort of clear sense of direction over the next few weeks uh, or, or, or to the end of the season for so many reasons because um, uh, it does feel like we're, at, we're nearing a crucial point um, in, in the future of a number of clubs but Liverpool certainly Yeah well uh, the big positive on that is you didn't dismiss Jude Bellingham so no. for all of us that are all still in we can still <laughs> stay all in and be prepared to be heartbroken and see what doesn't <laughs> Come summer, so fingers crossed that that's still there. I suppose, I mean, you mentioned it there that that it's going to take big money, isn't it? We, you know, you can yeah. divvy up either way, but it's going to take big money to to fix Liverpool's mm. midfield. I suppose the one thing I did like that that I saw tweeted literally yesterday was, Bell- it feels like Liverpool have almost almost it's known, shall we say, they've gone all in on Bellingham. That if we don't get Jude Bellingham, it would almost feel a bit of an embarrassment, shall we say, to the club or, you know, that mm. they've almost put everything by the wayside, like Bellingham's the, the clear number one. The the other side of that tweet or the, the expanse of that tweet, which I liked, was they get got that in essence, but if Jude Bellingham is probably, and it's a fair question to ask, I mean, surely the price tag would be somewhere around the, I'm, I'm guessing here a bit, but the 120 million mark, if you take that as almost a, a rough mm. figure. If that is the the cost for Jude Bellingham if we get him great but if we don't for any reason you have to then spend that money on midfielders don't you it has you to do. be a big summer for that's the only way we can operate whether it's FSG whoever it has it, there has to be a big war chest spent this summer doesn't there is it, is it that simple really to come back I, 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 I think it is I think Chelsea have have, have done something pretty devastating yeah. for and any owner who wants to be prudent by just completely inflating the market. Now, you know, Enzo Fernandez will now be a benchmark. And by the way, yeah. that's a terrific signing and, and he would have been a great player for Liverpool, but at 110 mil, million, yeah. you know, that's that's a big call. Um, so that's that's inflated the market for midfielders. You've then got um, Declan Rice possibly uh, moving in the summer and and... West Ham already talking about 150 million for him 
Okay, so yeah, you know, all of these factors will make Jude Bellingham more expensive, and and and, and midfielders in general more expensive because it's an inflated market. Um, yeah, Casemiro, who's been a t- tremendous signing for United, but that that was sixty million pounds for a thirty-year-old, which now looks like a decent deal at the yeah. time. At the time, no one was saying it was a bargain. Whether they were saying, "Gosh, that's a bit desperate signing," true signing a thirty-year-old on that money, but. Now, actually, you sort of think, well, fair enough. So I think, yes, there has to be an enormous investment and it will have to be in the midfield area. And as I say, even if if it is Jude Bellingham, I still think that's not enough. I still think maybe another one, at least. He is so good and he is a transformative kind of figure that maybe if you sign him, you can get away with signing one other and then developing Elliot and Pachutis. Um But if you don't sign him, you probably need three. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? How, how much needs to be done this summer? And fingers crossed, whoever, whoever's in charge, and I'll say that to, to sit on the fence in a firmly political <laughs> way, fingers crossed that the money gets spent. I suppose when we talk about the summer window, it's... It is also relevant to, to talk about, and no one's necessarily gonna gonna want to hear this, but you do have to, to think ahead a bit. If we don't get in the Champions League, I mean you, you mentioned there about Fabinho and obviously the hope that he does get back to, mm. to his level. Do you see any potential major departures in the summer? Is that a possibility, do you think, at all? Yeah, I think I I, I think it's logical that the the the, the, the will be it depends what you mean by major departures, because I think there are kind of players that have been around for a while that yeah. we might expect to see depart. I don't know, people like Boxley Chamberlain and, and there's a decision pending on Cater, isn't there? Um, yeah. So you might be talking about those types of players. Um, as for sales, hmm, I mean... I guess, like many clubs, the, the the really saleable assets are players that Liverpool just wouldn't wouldn't want to wouldn't want to lose. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, you know, I, I I do think that that, that wages wise, whatever happens, um, there will have to be a little bit of room made um, in the squad. Obviously, with new owners, that that might mean that there's you know, the money doesn't have to be raised by sales for the actual transfer fees. But even True. even if that's the case, I think you still need to, to sort of prune the squad a little bit. And it is a it is a squad that, you know, has been has has is aging, has got a bit older yeah. than if you look at the Arsenal are leading the, the Premier League at the moment and they've got the youngest squad in the entire league. You know, Liverpool um, it's not it's not an old squad, but the age profile is something that I think a prudent director of football would be looking to reduce over the next two or three years. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I would suggest that Arthur Mello is not going to stay. <laughs> Funny that. Yeah, I think I might agree on that one definitely. Yeah, um, I suppose it, it it's just literally because you say Fabinho twenty nine and. Mm. Again, we, we always like to, to ask the questions, not that it's necessarily going to happen, but if, if there wasn't Champions League football, then naturally questions will abound. Does Salah consider his future, Alice in any of that? But, mm. but I suppose there are certain players that Liverpool have got to do everything to, to hang on to, would you say, in that regard? I would I would say so. I, I, I would say so. Um, 
I mean, and there would be interest in those players, of course. Yeah. But you, you've, you've named two of the very best players in the world there, and and players have been integral to Liverpool's success. Um, maybe Salah's deal means that Liverpool will be protected because I'm not sure who who would afford those wages actually at his age. Yeah. Um, and then there's a the question of does the Champions League, does not being in the Champions League rule out signings? I mean, I'm, I said it probably wouldn't with Bellingham. I think I think it would with one or two players. Yeah. But again, to 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 yet again use a United comparison, it ha- it didn't actually stop United in the summer being able to sign some, you know, high quality players. Um, True. Because you because it is a chance. God, it's a chance to play for Liverpool at Anfield. I mean, that's that's what you sell. Um, and I think most players would would still want to take that op- opportunity. Um, so it it's when it's when you're out of the Champions League for two or three years and it looks like you're never going to get back that's when you've got a problem but Liverpool aren't in that territory yeah absolutely hopefully it's just a well hopefully we're winning in Istanbul so it's not a discussion but yeah, <laughs> possibly in the important thing to surmise from that ladies and gents that Jude Bellingham is still possible so I'm sure you're all ears for that one as well and probably the the final one and maybe the latest thing that I've, I've got to ask you about the the media situation it, it involves another club in Manchester City, but naturally it links directly to us, doesn't it? For uh, I think it's a hundred charges it currently stands at there, and mm. there's the talk of what does that mean looking back, retrospective punishment, points deduction, all those things. I mean, this is almost a, a load of questions. So apologies as I ask it. How do you see this current situation with? City is in the charges, the length of time it's taken, the as we found out yesterday, the inability to appeal it to CAS, but lawyering up, as someone described it, with the top <laughs> people. How do you almost see that situation with City and its links to us at the moment? Well, I mean, this, this of course, could play a role in, in, in the ownership question. Um, yeah. Because I think... It, 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 let's say City are penalised, and I, I, I think that would hearten American ownership um, because there's, a, there's always been a desire from American ownerships, um, clearly because they're competing against nation states and other types of money to have regulation that that, that, yeah. that kind of you know FFP and all that kind of stuff. So I suppose if if City were were penalised, it might. Um, affect Liverpool in that way and, and would-be American owners would think, well, the, the rules have got some teeth and that gives us more confidence to invest. Um, it's a, I mean, obviously, there's a question of City being stripped by their titles and, and yeah. I think that'd be quite hollow, to be honest. I don't, I'm not, you know, I'd have, you'd have to ask, I don't know, what do you think as a, as a Liverpool fan, would you, would you celebrate a title that was kind of, kind of given to you in court? It, I'd, I'd almost find it impossible. Now, I know there's going to be some when I say that screaming, saying, yes, we would, we'd take it. But the reality is, as we know, when, when you look at it and you think back to the, the title that we won, there was that immense celebration and joy, but there was also the, the sadness that we couldn't all be there together, you know, in the COVID yeah, season yeah, and that yeah. type of thing. So I think it would just... And, and I'm saying this carefully because I know there'll be people screaming like, yes, yes, we take them. Yes, we want them on the Champions wall. I totally get that. I totally understand that. 
but you still it wouldn't replace or replicate the feeling, would it? Yeah, that would be the key thing, unfortunately. I think it'd be a strange thing, anyway. Yeah, um, it would be a, ne- it wouldn't be a negative thing for a, for a, for the fans, but it wouldn't be a. I'm not sure if it would be a. I don't. Know, I don't know. It'd just be odd. Yeah, absolutely, and I think, I think you summarised it well. I, I think most fans would have almost forgotten the action was still going on against City. They probably <laughs> thought it had been dismissed. It's been that long, and then yeah. it, there's been the crescendo in the last few days as everything's come out charges wise. But yeah, lawyering up. What what does that mean? I think, like you said, this is going to be another year yeah. or two by by which time maybe everyone's forgotten it or like you said grown almost sick and tired of it so to speak <laughs> and what what does it mean in a year or two's time anyway so yeah 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 one, yeah. To, one to watch there i suppose listen we've, we've been on an absolute whirlwind there of on the field jürgen clark off the field summer business all that really leads me to say is jonathan thank you very much for your time the insights are very much appreciated And ladies and gents, that was another episode of a welcome back to Media Matters. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.